Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 or 16. Speaking about Jesus fulfilling prophecy, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus, <clears throat> of course, is the light of the world. A great light has dawned for those that were living in darkness. And there's a lot of darkness in this world. No matter where you are, here, America, or some other foreign country, some other place, there's a lot of darkness. Sometimes there's even a lot of darkness inside of us. Is that not always true? The darkness can even creep inside of us. Even those who are believers and walking and following after Jesus, the darkness wants to creep in and take over. But Jesus is the light. Jesus is the one who's going to dispel the darkness. They saw it. He fulfilled that prophecy, this great light, this light that has dawned in that little corner of the world right there in that basin, that little place called Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee, the edge of the Sea of Galilee, the light of the world, the light of the whole world came to shine. Just spent, he just spent those three years or so ministering right there in that tiny little corner of the world. Life without God is living in darkness, and, and uh, I, I want to remind you and remind myself that when the darkness starts to come in, starts to take over, that we need to look to the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Not getting more stuff, not getting, uh, you know, more pay, and there's no, you know, nobody gets raises anymore nowadays, unless you're, bad joke, but unless you're, um, you know, on bailout money. Um, we can't look to those things to, to fix what goes on inside of us. It's Jesus, Jesus, the light of the world. How many of you have ever been lost? Any of you ever been lost? Some of you? You know, I don't know if this is only true about guys that were afraid to ask directions. You know, that's a kind of the standing joke. You know, afraid to ask someone like, I, can't, I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get where I'm wanting to go. Um, you know, we were, we were in this place this uh, last week, and we were looking for a place we were going to stay the night before we flew back home, and, and all they spoke was Spanish, so we're trying to find this place, and it was very difficult to find, so we're asking these people, and I know a little bit of Spanish, and they're telling us, yeah, go do this, and then I caught the part, and then when you get close, ask someone else, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, so like an hour and a half later, we find this place that was five minutes away. And, you know, then we just decided that it wasn't a good place to stay anyway, so we went and found somewhere else. <laughs> but when you're out there, you know, it's really, really nice when someone says, you know, listen, I'm going to go that way. I'm going that way, and just follow me. If you're in your car and they say, just follow me, you know, I'll, I'll show you how to get there. That's really good. When someone takes that initiative to say, Follow me and I will get you there. And you need, you know, you need to kind of keep your eyes on the car. You know what it's like following. If you're driving, you're following another car and, and maybe they drive faster than you do. So you've got to keep your eyes on them and, and, and not let a lot of traffic get in between you and, and them and, and uh, you know, the rest of it. Turn where they turn, stop where they stop. Look at verse 18. Let's see what Jesus says says, as Jesus, again, the light of the world, he was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus, the light of the world, when you know we're dark, we don't know the way, we're lost. I know before I became a believer, if there's one thing I remember uh, distinctly is that I was lost. I had no clue where I was. I had no clue, you know, the way ahead, where the, the future, you know, was heading. I had no idea. I was completely lost. I knew that I needed to find the way. And Jesus said to these uh, two brothers here, it's interesting, he talks about these two brothers. He says, come and follow me. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, and, and really the Sea of Galilee is really a large lake. It's not really like the Mediterranean Sea or anything. It's a large lake, really. But it, it really is a very peaceful place, and, and, and I, I really love it there. I've been there a few times. It's away from the hustle and the bustle of, like, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like madness. Noise everywhere, cars everywhere, people everywhere. And Jesus is now, and, and again, he's going to spend most of his time out there by this Sea of Galilee. Interesting thing, a little trivia for you. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is like 700 feet below sea level at the surface. That's pretty low. It's actually uh, the lowest freshwater lake on earth. Lowest freshwater lake on earth. Second lowest lake in the world. Does anybody know what the first lowest lake in the world is? The Dead Sea, right. The Dead Sea, which is uh, salt water, obviously, but <clears throat> it's about... It's about uh, two times lower, like 1,400 feet below sea level. But the Sea of Galilee, again, this, this, uh, in this depression of land, very low, Jesus spent so much time there, surrounded by the hills of Galilee, surrounded by the, the foothills of the mountains of Lebanon, and then on the other side, surrounded by the Golan Heights. So there's like lots of mountains around this very low lake, but Jesus, he's walking by there, the Sea of Galilee. Fishermen, he sees, the Savior of the world, walking around the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were fishermen. They were simple fishermen. There were a lot of fishermen that, at that time around there. there was, that was the main industry around that area. Fishermen, that was what you did. Now, um, you know, it's mostly tourism and things like that. Um, there's some fishing there, but not much. The Sea of Galilee is, is the major uh, water source for the area, uh, fed by the Jordan River up north of the, sea, of the Sea of Galilee. And then the Jordan River joins the uh, Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. But because of so much growth in the land of Israel and so much need for water, the Dead Sea has actually been shrinking like a foot to, a foot to three foot every year. It's been shrinking, going down lower and lower every year. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're not sure what they're going to do to try to save it. But, you know, the, the people need water. These fishermen, though, they're, they were about their work, the, the busyness of, you know, fishing. But this isn't the first time, though, that they had seen Jesus. Jesus says to them, here, come and follow me, but this isn't the first time he's seen him. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be turning around to a number of different passages in the Gospels to kind of fill in some of the blanks. But in John chapter 1, verse 35, it says that 
the next day, John, that is John the Baptist, he was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist gave this description of, of Jesus. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him, that is Simon Peter, and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So they'd had this encounter before. It, it seems to be like a process. And I don't know about you, but for me it was like that too, that there's a process that took place. It didn't all just happen at one time, just one thing happened. In some cases, that is it. It's just, you, you know, you, you find Jesus Christ and, and you're committed to following him the rest of your life. It all happens right then. In this case, and we see this kind of a process that took place. Jesus, John the Baptist had a part in it. Different people have a part in, you know, playing in, in uh, the, the, the spiritual life of Andrew and Simon Peter. And that's true in our lives as well. Different people have, I can think of, you know, a number of different people in, the, in, in my Christian life that have had a part to play in, in helping me down the path of following after Jesus. It's not just one person. Of course, ultimately, it's Jesus, Right? But Jesus works through people, and he, he works through you, and he works through me, and, and to help each other down this path. But John the Baptist had a part of it. Uh, Andrew had a part in it in terms of his brother Simon Peter. But they began to follow, and they began to see what was going on. And Jesus, again, he turns around and says, what do you want? Why are you here? What, why are you following after me? Later on, the passage we're reading in Matthew, he says, Come and follow me. And it's kind of like a, a serious challenge. This one, you know, they said, John the Baptist points out Jesus. They said, you know, and, and you know, to be, to be fair about it, John the Baptist, he was going to lose disciples, right? If he says, hey, this is the guy. And that was his whole mission in life anyway, is to say, it's not me, it's the other guy. It's the one that's coming after me. But he says that's the one, and so they said, well, let's follow after him, because John, who we've been following, says that's the guy we should follow. So they start following, but, but it, it, you know, there, was a play, there was a place and a time when it got deeper and it got serious. It's one thing just to follow after him just kind of casually. But Jesus even turned around and he said, you know, why are you following me? What, what do you want? What is it that you're looking for? And they, I think they got a little nervous, really. They said, uh, where are you staying? Like, what has that got to do with anything? Where do you live? No, Jesus said, well, if you want to come along, you can find out. And, and he says, you know, there, there really isn't, you know, much there. And, and we find in other passages, you know. So Andrew points his brother, come and follow me. They followed him. Jesus knows the way. You and I are lost. We get lost. We don't know the way. Jesus knows the way. He, he knew the way for these brothers. 
He knows the way for you and for me if we'll follow him. Thirteen times in the, uh, the Gospels talks about being uh, where Jesus, where the words follow me. Thirteen times, follow me. Really, that's the, the, the kind of crux of what I, in studying this passage and thinking about it, the crux of it really is about following after Jesus, following him. When we're lost, when we don't know the way, follow me, he says. Even when we think we know the way, he says, follow me, he says, to you and to me. Being a disciple, this word disciple is a, another you know, concept out of the Bible. This word disciple means a follower. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe that's not quite um, you know, current in terms of being a follower of somebody. Now it's more like being a fan of somebody. Or, or you follow a certain you know, sports team or whatever. But, but this is talking about you know, where they would follow a, a, a teacher. And it talked about rabbi being a teacher. And those that were following John the Baptist, following someone who would teach and actually show you and teach you and, and help you understand what life was all about. Being a disciple is being a follower of Jesus. Where was he going? If you're going to follow somebody, you should know where he was going, right? You, you should have some kind of an idea like where, where I'm going to follow you, but I want to know where you're going to f- take me. I remember years and years and years ago, and, and, and I don't even want to give you all the details because it was, it was just in a, before I was ever a believer, but I remember and I was, I, we were up in San Francisco and a friend of, uh, of mine, uh, I say that term loosely, uh, we, we hitchhiked from San Diego to San Francisco and we were with this guy and, and it was like in the height of the hippie era and, and, and it was like it was messed up. The whole thing was messed up and I probably almost died during that period. But uh, I remember we went to this all night kind of concert thing. You know, all the, all the crazy bands of that time, Jefferson Starship and the Grateful Dead and all that stuff. And, and I remember when we came out the next morning, um, this guy, we, we needed to get back to another city where, where our stuff was. And we, and we had no clue. I mean, this is, we'd been out all night and like it was messed up. I'm just telling you, it was messed up. And I was sick. And it was like ODing and on this weird stuff. And, and it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. But I remember this guy, he had like a robe on. I can still remember. And he had like curly hair and flowers in his hair. I'm serious. This is serious. Now, we didn't dress like that, but he was dressed like that. And we come out of this place, and, and, he, and, and somehow my friend was a little more with it than I was. And he hooked up with this guy, and he would show us how to get over there, how to get where we needed to go. And I remember walking along, and I was, I was in a really bad space, and I, said, and I said to my friend, and then I said to this guy, I said, where are you taking us? And I started to get crazy. And I said, where are you taking us? We're following this guy with a robe and flowers, and it was, it was insane. Looking back now, I got, how did this happen? How am I even here today? This guy could have, and I, and I was freaking out. I thought he could have taken us and, like, murdered us and did all kinds of, you know, it was bad, bad. And you thought I was just, like, you know, such a nice fellow and everything. <laughs> 
You want to know where the person is going. You want to know if you're going to follow and where they're going. Jesus, the, the theme of Matthew is what? Anybody remember we talked about this in the very beginning? What is the theme of Matthew? The kingdom of heaven. It's all about heaven. It's all about getting to heaven, and that's where he's going to take us. You've you got to know where he's going to take you, and, and that's where he's taking us. We sing the song, Home to Heaven. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, until we get home. That's where we're going. We're going home. And home is heaven. Jesus is the way to get there. He's the only way to get there if we follow him. So I had to ask myself the question, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? You know, we can just say, follow, you know, follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. And it, you know. Well, what does it really mean in life, practically? Well, I think, one, we've been talking about this in the first few chapters, is to like, follow his example. And, and we saw how he... He was baptized, and one of the reasons he got baptized was to give us an example of how to walk in this life and, and make commitments and, and do what we need to do. We, we saw how he faced the temptations as well, and he did that in a way that you and I can follow his example in reality, using the scripture and, and excuse me, and some of the, and some of the uh, uh, ways he fought against and, and uh, resisted. Turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I love the Gospel of John, but we're in the Gospel of Matthew, but we can always go there, right? Look at John chapter 8, uh, and this is a very, very key verse, these two verses here. 8 verse 31, chapter 8 verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... Or to my word, he says, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, if you abide in my word, the King James Version says, you are really my disciples, you are really my followers, you really are following me. So there's something about the word of God and Jesus' word having a place. He says, if you hold to it, if you abide in it, if you live in it, if it's part of who you are, that's what it means, following his example, but also following his word and, and having his word being a part of our very lives. The followers of Jesus, he said, then you really are my followers, my disciples. And then the benefit, of course, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Turn ahead to John chapter 10. These are key verses as well in, in terms of following Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 3 Look what it says there. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. You're not going to follow somebody who you, it talks in this passage about who, you know, you don't, it's a stranger's voice. Don't follow the stranger's voice, but, but to have to, 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 to follow him and, and we need to know what his voice sounds like. You recognize his voice just like a baby, you know, will always recognize uh, his or her mother's voice. Look at verse uh, 27 in that same chapter says there, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My sheep listen to my voice, and, and he says, I know them, and they follow me. There's a relationship where he knows us, and we know him. We hear his voice. We follow his voice. But again, where are we going? He says, eternal life. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Jesus said, follow me. What does it mean to follow him? Follow his word. Follow his example. Follow his voice. Listen for his voice. Do we, do we actually know his voice? Again, I, I, I talked about this many weeks ago, is, is that you know, we, we need a relationship with him where we actually we hear his voice. I'm not talking about audible voice, though I'm sure that, and I believe God can do that if he wanted to speak to you audibly, in an audible voice, he can do that. That's, that's his prerogative, right? If he decides he wants to speak to you and you hear a voice and you say, man, that's Jesus speaking to me, I better listen. But, but most often than not, isn't, isn't it a, a still small voice where he's speaking through his word and, and, and the scripture and, and by his spirit and we just know that, that Jesus is speaking and I better listen. We know his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus said to those two brothers, come and follow me. And, and, and so to follow him includes other things. Let me mention just a few here. Obedience, repentance, submission, trust. You got to trust the person you're following. Perseverance. Someone said that it means following Jesus in a personal and a costly way. And he said that it's a, a lifetime commitment that is not fulfilled, and I like this, that is not fulfilled until the race is won, the final barrier crossed, the crown received, and all rewards laid gratefully at the feet of Jesus. It's a lifetime commitment to follow him, not just today and when it's easy and when things are going along well, but it's, it's, it's a commitment to follow him no matter what, until the very end, until he calls our name, until we get to the the end of the road. Until we reach that place called heaven. A lifetime commitment. Jesus said back there, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And as we follow him, he, he said to them that he was going to mold them and shape them. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And of course, we can talk about evangelism and how, how God uses us and he used them to tell other people about Jesus. But what I saw in that as well was this fact that he was going to make something out of them. He was going to do something in their lives. And, and I don't know what it is for you, but I know that he's been working on me for a very, very long time. And I wish I could say that, like, he's done. He did it all. It's fixed. It's finished. But I know myself too well to say it's not fixed yet. There's still a lot of broken stuff. Maybe because of that you know, day I told you about back in San Francisco, there's still a lot of messed up things that he's got to kind of get together. And he's still, he's still working to make me into the person that he wants me to be. That song, you know, uh, mold me, shape me. You know, I'm the pot. He says, you know, he's the potter, we're the clay. You know, that he makes us and molds us and shapes us the way that he wants to. We got we to gotta kind of cooperate with all that, but the fact of the matter is that he's able to do that. And he wants to do that. He says, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We maybe resist a little bit. We say, You know, I don't really want you to change me right now, but 
you know what? When we follow him, that's, that's kind of what his plan is. He loves us, as they say, loves us too much to leave us the way that he finds us. At once, it says, they left their nets and they followed him. Turn to Luke chapter 5. I want to add another little um, vignette to this uh, picture of the life of uh, Simon Peter. Because, again, it wasn't just one time. There was lots of different things that happened to kind of make up who he was. A lot of of different experiences that, that happened in the life of Simon Peter to bring him to where he was. And look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. This all ties together, and we don't know the exact timing of how these things all worked out, but the fact is that, that they all happened. And it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner, partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. We see here there was a, not only this time with John the Baptist and then Andrew and, and people sharing about Jesus, we see there was also a very personal touch, wasn't there? Jesus touching Peter's life in a very personal way, in a way that he could understand. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus speaks to you and I in ways that we can understand. And it's not always the same way he's going to speak to the guy or the gal next to you. But Peter could understand fish, right? I think. He could understand fish. And, 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 and Jesus said, you know, put out in a deep water. Go out, you know, go out and, and, and into deep water. And he said, you know what, we've been doing this a long time, but it's not, it's not happening. But if you say so, again, the voice, the voice of Jesus, if you say so, we'll go and do it. And, and this radical, things hap- radical thing happens and, and the, the number of fish and all the rest of it. But, but did you notice Peter's reaction? Verse 8, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He knew what he was like. Did Jesus said, okay, I'll leave now? No, Jesus said, you know what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I, I, I love you, and I, I want to do a work in your life, and I'm going to continue to do that work. And I'm going to make you who you're called to be. It says they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Why? Because you could trust him. Why? Because he loved them, and he loves you and me, and we can trust him and we can follow him because he loves us. 
and he wants us to follow him. I like what someone said here about this. It says, when Jesus entered Peter's life, this plain fisherman became a new person with new goals and new priorities. He did not become a perfect person, however, and he never stopped being Simon Peter. He said, we may wonder what Jesus saw in Simon that made him give this potential disciple a new name, Peter the Rock. Impulsive Peter certainly didn't act rock solid much of the time. But Jesus was looking for real people, and he chose people who could be changed by his love. And then he sent them out to communicate that his acceptance was available to anyone, even to those who often fail. We may wonder what Jesus sees in us when he calls us to follow him, but we know Jesus accepted Peter. We also know that despite his failures, Peter went on to do great things for God. Keep following Jesus, even when you fail. Follow me, he says. Even you, whoever you are. Even me. Sometimes that's hard to believe. Why would he want me? Why would he want me to follow? Doesn't he know all about me? Well, yeah, that's grace and love and mercy, isn't it? He knows all about us, and yet he says, come and follow me. Will you come and follow me? I'll, I'll show you the way. I know the way I'm going to take you there. I'm going to get you to the end, the destination. You don't need to be lost anymore. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 21 and 22. It says, going on from there, he, that is Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left their, the boat and their father, and they followed him. Two more brothers. I find it interesting, this thing happening in, in families. Two sets of brothers here. Two sets of brothers. Makes me think about some of my brothers and, and, uh, and how none of them at this point in time have made a decision to follow Jesus, and the one who did make a decision to follow Jesus uh, died soon after. Brothers, family. Often he works in families, but often is also difficult in families because we know each other so well. But these four fishermen, four fishermen who followed Jesus, yeah, they were all fishermen. That kind of puts them in the same category, but they were all very different people, were they not? These four different guys were very, very different. Peter, you know, we impulsive Peter, he, he really, in all the lists of disciples, he's named first. He was prominent, and he was like the leader of the, of the band, so to speak, and he, the one that spoke at the day of Pentecost, and God used him in incredible ways, and, and all of his ups and downs and everything, all the twists and turns of his life. Andrew, on the other hand, we don't know a whole lot about Andrew, but, but Andrew was instrumental. He was just as important, wasn't he? And he if, if all he did was was bring his brother to Christ. That was enough. If it was the guy who, who you know, led Billy Graham to the Lord, is, is he not just as important as, the, as Billy Graham himself, who, is, who has led, you know, millions to Christ? Being who they are. James, this brother, James and John. James, we don't know a whole lot about him, but James was the first of the apostles to be martyred for his faith, the first. 
And then John, his brother. James is the first of the apostles to be martyred. John, his brother, he writes the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the Revelation, and ends up dying uh, of all the apostles, the only one to live out his days. The, the tradition says they tried to kill him. They weren't successful. He lived the longest of all of them. Someone said this, we can't predict God's ways. God does one thing with one of his disciples and something quite different with another. All different. But the common denominator is that we're called to follow him, called to follow Jesus. Just come and follow me. I may not do the same thing with you as somebody else. Turn back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and uh, we'll bring this all to a... Uh, close here this idea of following him Luke chapter 9 in verse uh, 27 or 57 excuse me Luke 9 57 as they were walking along the road a man said to him to Jesus of course I will follow you wherever you go Sounds like something that Peter, you know, has said and, and will say. Make these rash statements, you know, I, I'm going to do it no matter what. But Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are we still willing to follow him no matter what? He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. They figured that, that at this point his father wasn't even dead. Let me go and bury my father. He's not even dead yet, but you know that means, that means I'm going to put it off. I'm going to wait. I don't need to follow you now. Let me do what I need to do. Take care of this. Take care of that. Be involved in this. Live my life a little bit. How many of people have said that to you? you know, I, w- I want to have a good time first, and then when you know, I get closer to the end of my life, then maybe I will I'll make that decision to follow. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It was serious stuff. It's not like he could never talk to his family again, but it was like an excuse. My family, you know, I need to take care of them. I need to be involved with them and do that, be in the family business and all this other stuff before I can follow. It's an excuse. Jesus said, you know what? When you're ready to, when you're ready to put your hand to the plow and, and not turn back, go forward. That's what, that's what he's looking for. That's what he wants. There was the rich, rich young ruler who had lots of possessions, Jesus told him what? Go sell everything you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. It says, at this the man's face fell. His own wealth kept him from following. He says he went away sad because he had great wealth. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. Take up his cross and follow me. Makes me think, uh, you know, the passage, and, and I, I don't think it's insignificant. Uh, the, the address of this passage is John 6, 6, 6, where 
Jesus said some pretty challenging words, right, about following him. It says in this verse, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. John 6, 6, 6. Jesus challenged him. He said, you know, are you going to really partake of me? Are you really going to serious about following me? And, and you remember what Peter said after that? Any of you remember what he said after that? Because Jesus said, what about the rest of you? A lot of them said, we're not going to follow you anymore because it wasn't convenient. It was too much of a cost. And he says, what about you? And Peter said, what? Yeah. Where, where else can I go? Is there anybody else we can follow? Is there really? Is there any other voice that we can listen for? Is there any, any other whose word has the ring of truth? There's been a change. Paul talks in Ephesians about the fact that we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We used to follow those things, he says, but there's been a change. Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And he goes on to list them all. And then he says, in the age to come, eternal life. There's a cost to following Jesus, but, but is, there, is there a payoff? Is there a benefit? He says, you know what? No matter what it costs you, you know, I'm going to give you more than you could ever imagine. And I found that to be true. You know, we left family to move to New England to follow him. He's given us family, more, more better family, if, if you can use that term. If you know, if you, you know families, you know. Let's turn and finish with John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Speaking about Peter again. What a guy. John chapter 21. The, the setting there is, you know, Jesus kind of reaffirming Peter. You know, he'd have, you know, where he denied him those three times. And, and, and this passage, just previous to where we're going to read, you know, Jesus kind of reaffirms his love and his calling and his, his uh, purposes for him, that he was going to, you know, take care of the sheep and feed the sheep and feed the lambs. And God wanted to use Peter. And, and it wasn't all over for him, even though he had actually denied the Lord. But look at verse 18. It says, Jesus said, he's speaking to Peter, he says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, what? Follow me. Even though he, he tells him, you know, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. There's a cross ahead. Peter was going to be crucified. And the tradition tells us that, that, that he would not allow himself to be crucified in the same way as, as Jesus. And they crucified him upside down. Jesus said, follow me. And look at verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, 
was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You must follow me. Peter said, you know, you just told me all this radical stuff about my life and that, but what about him? Why, you know, Jesus said, don't worry about him. Don't worry about the other guy. Worry about you and what, what my purposes are for you. And it, it's never any good, is it? When we compare ourselves to other people, it's never any good when we look at what they have or don't have. It's never any good when we try to, you know, fit into someone else's, you know, mold and, 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 and steps of following after God. It never works. We need to, we need to follow him for ourselves and, and listen for the voice and be in his word for ourselves. Following his example, Jesus says, come and follow me. And Paul gives us this benediction. He says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Endurance, encouragement, and a spirit of unity as we follow Jesus. We, we have this individual walk where we follow him, right? That's what he was talking about with Peter. But we also follow him together realizing that we're all very different, realizing that we're, you know, we're, we're different personalities, different characters, but, but as we you know, help each other along that path, just as these guys had many different people involved in their lives, many different people here, we help each other. There's people here. You, you help me to follow Jesus. I hope I can help you to follow Jesus. We help each other, one another, to follow Jesus. Jesus said, Come. And follow me. That's what he, what he asks of every one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Father, we, <clears throat> we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might have life, who now comes to each one of us and says, come and follow me. I'll show you the way. I know the way. Of course, we know that your son said that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And Lord Jesus, we hear you this morning speaking through your word, saying to each one of us, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll, I'll work in you. I'll shape you. And Lord, uh, you know each one of us. You know our personalities. You know our stubbornness, our sinfulness, our our. Uh, fears, our doubts, and yet you say, you still say, come and follow me. I know the way. Lord, give us that courage. Give us the strength to do just that, follow you in this life, in this day, today, daily, tomorrow, this week. May we hear your voice and listen and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.